Today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farrakh. We would not be saved then by grace through faith. We would be saved by works if we had to work for our salvation. He does not say that. He says we need to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. Think of it this way. Think of it as exercising like you would work out in the gym. That's what Paul is saying here. We need to exercise our faith and work out our salvation. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Philippians. Many of us have probably been thrown off by the verse, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Whether we grow concern over the security of our salvation or otherwise, it's important we understand its meaning. As Pastor J.D. will teach you in his message today, this is a call to exercise our salvation rather than work for our salvation. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. Now, here's Pastor J.D. in Philippians chapter 2 as he begins his message, Why We Complain. I'll have you at this time turn to Philippians, the second chapter, and our text will be verses 12 through 16. The Apostle Paul is writing, and by the Holy Spirit says, verse 12, Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God, verse 13, who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure. Children of God, without fault, in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. And then I will be able to boast on that day, the day of Christ, that I did not run or labor in vain. So we're going to talk about something today that is um, kind of an issue. (laughs) This is what I love about teaching God's Word expositionally. Uh, You have to teach passages like the one that's before us this morning. When you teach topically, you can just very easily skip over passages like this that deal with complaining. Why are you looking at me like that? (laughs) I know none of you complain. So this is for me. So just indulge me. And for you, it'll just be in theory as we talk about this matter of complaining. That's what I want to talk about. And I've titled the teaching, Why we complain. Why 
we as Christians are prone to complain. I also want to talk about why it is that God takes complaining very seriously. On the part of His people, when His people complain, this is something that God takes notice of and takes very seriously. It's my hope that at the conclusion of our time together in Philippians, we're going to know not only why it is that we complain, but more importantly, how to stop complaining. This is sort of a how-to teaching, I guess you could say. But before we get to that, I think we first need to tackle this misunderstood passage where Paul says that we need to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. Notice he doesn't say we need to work for our salvation. That would be works. We would not be saved then by grace through faith. We would be saved by works if we had to work for our salvation. He does not say that. He says we need to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. Think of it this way. Think of it as exercising like you would work out in the gym. That's what Paul is saying here. We need to exercise our faith and work out our salvation. George Mueller, I think, said it best and explained it this way. The believer must finish, must carry to conclusion, must apply to its fullest consequences what is already given by God in principle. Listen, he must work out what God in his grace has worked in. That's what Paul says. This is the work that he has done in us, and as such we work out that which he has worked in us, namely salvation by grace through faith. What I find interesting is right after Paul talks about this working out of our salvation, he then starts talking to them about this matter of complaining. I find it interesting because it seems that Paul is saying, this is what working out your own salvation looks like. And by the way, your own salvation. Don't miss that detail. Kind of seems that Paul is saying that we're all too quick to work out somebody else's salvation. Question somebody else's salvation and not our own. Hey, you need to work out your own salvation. Don't concern yourself with their salvation. So we need to work it out and in fear and trembling instead of grumbling and arguing In other words, complaining. I want to point out something else that's here, and it's in verses 15 and 16. Notice Paul says that we'll shine like stars. I point it out because, and think about this, when we as Christians don't complain like the rest of the world, we stand out. 
I have to confess, and I was actually talking to the Lord about this on the way to church today. I don't see myself as a a complainer per se, but I do complain, (laughs) especially in traffic. At those lights, you know which stoplights I'm talking about, right? The ones that are on timers, not sensors, during certain times of the day. I'm looking over at Paula again here. I am a law-abiding citizen, I just want you to know, so I obey those stoplights, but I do complain about them. So you're sitting there, and the light's red, and it's green for everybody else. But the problem is there's nobody else, and you're just sitting there like an idiot at a red light. And it's at times like that, and I'm just being very candid with you, that my sanctification flees from me. And here I am complaining about this stoplight that I'm stopped at, and nobody else is going. And I, again, I have to confess that the, the temptation's there. It's like, you know, the enemy's right there. Hey, nobody's looking. Oh, come on. <laughs> You've thought that before, haven't you? I mean... There's nobody here. Nobody's going to see you. And as God is my witness, if I ever did that, sure enough, a police officer would come out of nowhere, and it would probably be Artie or Paula or Urban or who knows. Lord wouldn't let me get away with that. How about in a line at a grocery store or just at any store? You're standing in line. And isn't it true that the line you're standing in is the line that is moving the slowest? And the person behind the counter in that line is doing their impression of a slaw? I mean, they couldn't be moving any slower. It's almost like, are you kidding me? And so, if you're anything like me, and I suspect that you are, you look for another line, and then you go in that line, and then all of a sudden, they need to uh, have a manager come and approve a check from Zimbabwe. (laughs) Now, what's your response when something like that happens? Don't you start complaining, and God forbid somebody's with you and you're, you know, showing your disdain and your disgust over what's happening. What if you instead, I mean, how how much would you stand out if you did this instead? You know, I'm going to pray for that employee that has to get this check from management approved from Zimbabwe. And I'm going to, you know, just, you know, when they look at me, I'm going to say, hey, no, no worry, take your time, it's okay, you're just doing your job. People are going to look around at you like, wow, you must be a Christian. That's what Paul's saying. That's when we stand out as a child of God in this world. And our light shines as good witnesses for Jesus Christ. How bad of a witness is it to an unbelieving world when a Christian is chronically complaining about everything and everyone? 
I was pondering this and actually inquiring of the Lord. In fact, specifically, I asked the Lord this question. What is more displeasing to you, Lord, when we complain or when we become afraid? And the answer I got was, when you complain, that is considerably more displeasing to me than when you're afraid. And he just reminded me of all the times throughout Scripture where great men and women of God were very fearful, and he would say to them, do not be afraid. And contrast that with all the times in Scripture, which we're going to talk about, where the Israelites murmured and grumbled and complained. What was God's response? Oh, he killed them. No, he did. When my two boys were young, I used to love bringing that up, you know, the Israelites complaining and God killing them in our devotions. It was a great deterrent because, you know how kids are, right? Whining and complaining about everything. And so I say, hey, turn in your Bibles to... Let's see what God has to say about complaining. <laughs> oh, he just killed him. Why? This is the question of why does God take complaining so seriously? God takes complaining seriously because God takes complaining personally. You know why God takes complaining personally? Because we're speaking against Him, and the insinuation, an insidious insinuation, I would even say a satanic insinuation, is that God is not fair. God is not just. And was this not the lie of the serpent to Eve? Hath God said... He's speaking against God, and every time we complain, we are speaking against God with an accusatory tone. That's why God takes it so seriously. There's another reason that God takes it very seriously, and it's because of what doing so ends up doing to God's people. Complaining is very contagious. Many years ago when I was in the business world, I remember a time when one of the employees just started this whole complaining about the pay, the work conditions, the boss, I mean everything, just complaining, complaining, complaining. And it spread, and you'll forgive my comparison, but it spread like a cancer. And like cancer, it can spread throughout the body of Christ, amongst God's people, and left unchecked, it will result in death. That's why God takes it so seriously. That's why God deals with it so swiftly and severely. And this is why it is that replete throughout Scripture, we see account after account where the Israelites complained against God. In fact, I spent a little bit of time going through my archives in our teaching in the Old Testament, and I got up to 14 
separate times when the Israelites complained against God after all God had done for them. And in doing that, I came across what Paul wrote to the Corinthians in his first epistle, chapter 10. Let me read verses 1 through 10. Listen to this. He says, Moreover, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware that all our fathers, speaking of the Israelites, were under the cloud, the cloud that led them by day as the fire did by night. All passed through the sea, speaking of when God parted the Red Sea and they walked on dry ground. All were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. All ate the same spiritual food, speaking of the manna that God miraculously provided them. And all drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank of that spiritual rock that God miraculously brought water from. When Moses struck the rock, water miraculously poured out as he provided them this water, this spiritual rock, metaphorically, that followed them. And that rock was Christ, and that was a picture of Christ, a type of Christ, the rock of our salvation. Interesting, that's what cost Moses entrance into the promised land, was when he ruined the typology and struck the rock the second time, when God had only told him to speak to the rock, not strike it. Because that rock is Christ. And the Christ was only to be crucified, struck one time. After he was struck, water of living, living water would pour out. And now all you would have to do is speak to the rock. And Moses in his anger, oh by the way, (laughs) it's the one time where Moses had just had it with the children of Israel. Here God had, keep in mind now, this generation of Israelites had seen the plagues in Egypt, had seen the miraculous parting of the Red Sea, the miraculous provision of manna from heaven, the miraculous provision of water from a rock, and everything else that God did miraculously. And yet, they come to this place, and they're thirsty again. I'm thirsty again. Why did God lead us out here? Weren't there enough graves in Egypt to kill us there? Why did he bring us out here to kill us? Wee, 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 wee. It's kind of a humorous account in the narrative. It's this dialogue between God and Moses. And Moses is like, do you hear what your people are doing? God says, they're not mine. They're your people, Moses. <laughs> Nobody wants to own them. And so... God says to Moses, here's what you're going to do. Speak to the rock this time, and water will come out. And what does Moses do? He is so angry. He has just had it with the Israelites and their constant, chronic complaining about everything, after everything God had done. And he says this, again, very interesting detail in the narrative. He says, how long are we going to have to put up with you. And in that anger, he strikes the rock. And then we read that God says to Moses, Hey, Mo, (laughs) come here, boy. We need to talk. 
What's this we thing? We? Not me? Are you putting yourself on the same playing field, as it were, with me? We are having to put up with you. (laughs) And it cost him entrance into the, the promised land. You know what cost the Israelites entrance into the promised land? We're going to talk about this. It's when God commanded Moses to take 12 spies to go into the land and scope it out and bring back a report. This is the promised land that God has given us. This is where He is leading us to possess the promised land. So He sends 12, and they come back. And 10 of them start complaining about how big the people are there, about how big the cities are there, about how small the Israelites were in comparison to them. We are like grasshoppers, like insects compared to them. And we're told, I think it's Numbers 14, that they complained against God and Moses. What's really interesting is that they spied out the land for 40 days. And God's judgment, and by the way, 40 is the number of judgment, God's judgment on that generation of Israelites, because complaining had spread throughout all of the camps of the Israelites, they would now, because of that, all die in the wilderness. And this is exactly what now Paul says to the Corinthians. Listen, verse 5, But with most of them God was not well pleased, for their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. God declared and pronounced a judgment on them for one year for every day that they were in the land, spying out the land, bringing back this bad report, false report, and starting to speak against God, complaining, murmuring, grumbling, and it spread throughout all of the Israelites. And God said, every single one of you, you're going to die in this wilderness, and for one day I'm going to make you wander in the wilderness for one year, for a total of 40 years. It was never God's original intention to have them take 40 years. You know that I was thinking... If my memory serves me correctly, one commentator estimated that it would have only taken them about 11 days to get from Egypt to the promise. 11 days. We're so glad you joined us for this edition of In Spirit and Truth. Our time with you is coming to an end today, but we want to encourage you to continue studying the book of Philippians on your own. Spend time today in God's Word, asking the Holy Spirit to reveal something new about your Savior as you read. The Bible is filled with promises and lessons that apply to you right now, even though it was written long ago. You'll always benefit from time spent in Scripture. If you'd like to hear more of Pastor J.D.'s teachings in Philippians 2, you can find them online at inspiritandtruthradio.com. Are you part of a community of believers? If you haven't yet found a church that you can call home, we'd like to urge you to make this a priority. A church family can be a source of support and encouragement, and most importantly, a group of faithful prayer warriors. 
This is also a place you can give of your unique talents in support of others as well. If you're in the Kaneohe area, you have a standing invitation to be part of our family of believers. Come join Calvary Chapel Kaneohe on Sundays and Thursdays for a time of worship, fellowship, and in-depth Bible study with Pastor J.D. Farag. You can find out more and get directions at our website, inspiritandtruthradio.com. There's a lot to discover at our website, including a link to our mobile app, social media pages, and Pastor JD's Mideast Prophecy Updates. That website, one more time, is inspiritandtruthradio.com. That's all the time we have for now. Thanks for tuning in to In Spirit and Truth. Holy me true to 